0: Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, For the first time in months, I notice there's a little bit more balance to the room. And I believe that is because it's colder on this side of the sanctuary than it is on this side. And many of you migrated this way. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to the book of Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be primarily today. And as you're turning there, again, we celebrate... Advent this month at Grace and we're unwrapping or unpacking the idea of what Advent is and and why we as believers in Jesus would have a time where we think through and consider and celebrate the coming of Jesus, the waiting for Jesus, the idea of having an expectation in regard to who this Jesus happens to be. Today is the peace candle, or some say the prophecy candle. And prophecy is what we see in the Old Testament that points us to and alludes to Jesus. I read last week from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. But I'll read that again. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father prince of peace the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom and to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever and the zeal of the Lord's armies will accomplish this for 400 years they waited for the coming of this prince of peace waiting is not the easiest thing to do And waiting on something like peace is something that we seem to always be doing. I was born in 1977, two years removed from Vietnam. I grew up with Ronald Reagan and spent a lot of time worrying about the USSR. I know many of us have flashbacks to that even now. There was a Cold War. There was also a Cola War between Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Texas, I'm not sure if you were part of the United States yet or if you were still your own country. And I know that you work in that Dr. Pepper deal. But Coca-Cola and Pepsi decided to have this battle between polar bears and Michael Jackson. (laughs) And Coke, at one point, even decided to make a new Coke, which was terrible, There was a war in a galaxy far, far away. Peace was something we talked about, but it wasn't really present. What is it? Is it found? Do we find peace when we move from one location to another that gives us a quality of life that's a little bit different? That protects us from risk and danger? (coughs) Is peace a state of mind? An assurance that life is slowly being restored to proper order? Some would say that peace is the buzz that they feel when they use chemicals that alter their state of mind. Is peace the reassurance we have because we have an open carry permit? Is peace political arrangement? established by people who represent different nations in a series of events we commonly refer to as a peace process? Or, or is peace something that we gain when the political co- our political candidate of choice takes office? Is it something we lose when he or she may leave? Are any of these comments or conditions an accurate reflection of what took place in Bethlehem When angels would sing as to who this Christ was that was born. Are these things what Isaiah alluded to in Isaiah chapter 9? It brings to mind the hymn that we sang just a few moments ago by Philip Brooks from the 1800's it's the imagery of a song that we think of when we look at a nativity scene it was actually a song written for children it was written when he was touring between Europe and the Middle East and he came upon Bethlehem and he wrote this song this children's hymn C.S. Lewis says this about peace God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it is not there there is no such thing Martin Luther said peace is more important than all justice and peace was not made for the sake of justice but justice for the sake of peace. So for those of us who follow after Jesus and for those of us who would look to this word as the direction for how we are to follow him what we come to realize when we talk about peace is that it is not the absence or void of war peace for us is the presence of Jesus. Paul gives us all these things that we as believers, when we read through Philippians 4, which we're going to do now, Paul gives us these things to show us and to display to us what it means for a soul to be embedded in the peace that God has given, to be submerged in a peace and a grace that surpasses understanding. So read with me in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Two paragraphs end with this flip phrase. The ending of uh, verses 4 through 7 actuality 2 through 7 talks about the peace of God being with us. You end verse 9 you see that the God of peace is with us. In order for us to have the peace of God we must know the God of peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Paul is giving us all of these things that we as believers are to be doing in order to realize the depth of peace that God allows to stand in in us through Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. Is my and is your contentment in the Lord. We forget and overlook that when Paul wrote this letter, no matter how many times we want to make the book of Philippians about us being able to bench press things, that when we read through this letter, Paul is in prison. And he is saying to the church at Philippi, That they are to rejoice in all things. To find joy over and over and over and over and over. O-V-A, over. To always find joy in what God has done for us. Why would Paul give us direction to rejoice in all things when it does not seem as if he is in a situation that is worth rejoicing? I do not imagine a Philippian prison was a great place. It was not the type of prison that you see that th- on television when you're like, how do people go to that prison? That's a much better prison than the ones that I think I would go to. They would send me to Alcatraz or Azkaban. I would have the key thrown away. But you look at the text and you see that Paul is saying to us that his situation is one where he looks at everything around him. And all that's taking place in his life, and says, I'm going to rejoice always. Now, what's he addressing? Because Paul's always addressing something. Every church could use a Paul. Verse 5: Let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Why would Paul be saying to this church that their reasonableness should be evident? Because in verse 2, we have a situation. Verse 2 tells us there are two ladies named Euodia and Syntyche, And that's probably why there's a situation. Those are horrible names who are not getting along. And it is such a big deal that the church at Philippi needs Paul to speak to it. Hypothetically speaking, because I know this doesn't happen in churches anymore, you have two people who are arguing with one another. They're subtweeting one another. They are posting negative things about each other on Facebook without ever tagging the other person. They have what the kids call beef. And because of the beef that these two have, there is a lack of peace in the church. And a lack of peace in the church manifests itself outside of the church. So Paul, when he says that they are to rejoice in all things and to let their reasonableness be known to all, what he's saying to them is that they should not flip out over little things. The word reasonableness there, we translate it in our world, moderation. We love to talk about moderation. No one eats in moderation, but we all love to talk about it. And when we consider moderation and reasonableness, we see that Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, and because God's Spirit is alive in His Word, saying to us, don't flip out over dumb things. How often do we flip out over silly things? My friend Bailey, she's her mom and dad, her family come to our church. She lives in the house behind me. She told me the other day that she was going to be ringing the salvation bell, and I thought, I don't know where this bell is at church. I don't know what decision this child has made. So is there? A, come to find out, she's ringing the bell at the Salvation Army, uh, and, you know, jingling. So we, as a family, also had a day where we rang the Salvation Army bell. We stood outside of the Brazos Mall. And my four children uh, stood in front of the bell and ran to people saying, Merry Christmas. They, really, they, they reminded me more of car salesmen or, or employees at the buckle. They just swarmed people, attacking them and attaching themselves. And Shepherd would say, Merry Christmas. And Charlie would say, Happy Holidays. And, and Noli would say, Give me your money. And Alder would try to force candy on them. We rang the bell at the Salvation Army for an hour, which felt like about six and a half. (laughs) And I kept thinking about the numerous people who would walk in, the numerous people who walked out, the numerous people who were at various stores, and how we live in a world where people think they should be careful as to what they say. And, And the church, for a season, reacted harshly to this. I cannot believe the person at Walmart told me happy holidays. As if it is the mission statement of Walmart to give you a Christ-centered shopping experience. (laughs) What if in our lack of moderation and reasonableness, we miss that that person may be saying, Merry Christmas and Happy Thanksgiving and Happy New Year's all in one. What if the person is Jewish and they don't celebrate your Christmas? Would you be willing to wish them a happy Hanukkah? Have you ever even found out if that person's Jewish? What if that person that's wishing a Merry Christmas is a Christian in the southern sense of Christian and not in the Christian sense of Christian? And you all know what I mean. And... and They know who Jesus is, but they don't know the peace that he offers in our hearts. Do you want that person's flippant, half-hearted, trite view of Christianity to represent you to everyone who hears it? Let's be frustrated about things that are frustration-worthy. When we react as if the peace of Christ does not rule our hearts, And we want to force people to do what we do and say what we say. It has never worked well. Anybody remember a little thing you studied called the Crusades? That was forcing people to believe what you believe. People don't respond to force, they respond to fascination. How often are we fascinated by Jesus? Uh, So, I was a young pastor at one point. Now I'm a middle-aged pastor And the phrase that I was told by mentors Don't die on that hill I was told not to die on hills all the time Uh, I I wanted to die on every hill when I was 25 There came a point where I realized That you can't die on every hill Because I'm not a cat I've only got one life Thankfully I'm not a cat People don't need cats This passage tells us the Lord is near to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. So when we look at the idea of peace that is presented in Isaiah 9 and that Paul has seen on the other side in Philippians chapter 4, What we are saying is that we believe as followers of Jesus that God himself has come to us. He was not far from. He has come to us and united himself with us. Because the Lord is near and peace rests in believers, graciousness should be part of the way that we interact with other people. If Jesus it's just a question for me and for you. If Jesus Jesus physically walked in to observe the way that I'm dealing with any given situation or you are dealing with any given situation what would he think about your presentation of him? But Chad, you you don't know what I'm going through. No, I, I don't. But the God who made you does. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. You know what the Bible's most repeated command is? For believers, fear not. You see a hint of that by Paul here. Jesus talks about anxiety in chapter 12 of Luke. Don't be anxious about anything. You see this formula given to us by Paul. When you read 4, 5, and 6 together. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about everything, anything, but in everything through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. Rejoice. Be gracious. Don't worry about anything. These phrases build up together. And as they build up together, we see what... They are building towards. All of these things that God has called us to do in light of peace build towards us knowing the peace of God. Being able to rejoice when our situation does not seem joy-worthy. Being gracious when that means we have to bite our tongue. It develops in us an understanding that we are in a world where the Lord is near and he is choosing to use us as his people to show what peace really should look like. This idea of God's peace, a peace that is strong and a peace that presents itself, and that grows in us as we pray. Notice those prayer moments that he gives us in verse 6. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. The idea of prayer, we understand in some sense what prayer is. It is more than you listening with your eyes closed while I talk with my eyes closed. Prayer is us saying to God that he is Good, and that He cares for us, and that we believe the peace that He has offered us is that it resonates in our soul. The idea of petition, the best word for that is to beg God. God I'm begging you to do things, I'm going to ask you to do things. I need you to do things because God has promised us that his peace is there. Notice what we don't get. We don't get an answer to all of our problems. But as we converse with the Lord about said problems, his peace begins to make itself known. Paul does all of these things and does not get out of prison at one point. He dies. This is not about us praying ourselves out of a situation, but realizing that God is with us in the middle of it. That's what the peace of God is. Verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do you think that Paul looked at as he came up with this phrase? Of being guarded. in my head which is where I spend a lot of my time Paul sits in the prison cell and as he's thinking about how to write to the church at Philippi he sees a man standing there who has been appointed by Rome there are bars between the two of them and as Paul looks at the prison bars and looks at the prison guard he knows why that man is there no one is to get into him He is to protect the integrity of Rome by his very presence. Paul is saying about this, or we could assume about this prison guard... That if you were to look at him, this well-equipped man, that you were not getting into Rome and you were definitely not getting into this prison cell. So when Paul uses this phrase about the peace of God guarding your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, he is saying, in your situation, as people who are in Christ, he protects you where you are. That he guards you where you are. And all that you've been asked to do to build to that helps you to realize that he is there for you right there. In that moment, in that scenario, in that situation. Paul is saying that God's peace, because I've talked to him, and I've rejoiced and I've begged and I've thanked, God's peace has outran my lack of understanding as to why this is happening to me. And he is guarding me like that guy who is guarding this door. Think through that again. God's peace outruns my understanding of my situation. What if we got there? What if peace reigned and ruled in us like that? For those who rejoice over and over and present their requests to the Lord, access to God has been given. And Paul is saying, Know that the peace that resides in me in a Roman prison is available for you. Let's Christmas this up. What about Joseph? He was told that his fiance was pregnant. And more than likely knew that she would be put to death and that she deserved it under everything that the Romans would say and the Jewish people would say. Yet an angel appeared to him and reminded him that he had a part in the story of peace. Look, he didn't sign up for a baby. When I was dating, I wanted to know if a girl had a pet. And that crying stuff... This whole story about no crying he makes, that is, that is not true. That's not in the Bible. And as far as, it, if I'm well, side note, that little drummer boy thing that we keep singing about, there is no new mama who wants somebody banging a drum in her face. I don't know why that guy's there, but he is not invited. Paul and Joseph... Are displays of God's peace meeting you where you are, not causing your situation to be removed, but causing you to realize that God is present in it. Well, how? What do we do here? How do we process this? How do we look at life in light of the peace that we've been provided by Jesus? And how do we make decisions that line up with that? Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence there, if there is anything worthy of praise... Think about those things. Set the trajectory of your thought to a place where it looks like peace rules. The complete definition of the word peace, according to Google, It gets me to some dictionary.com includes completeness wholeness health welfare safety soundness tranquility prosperity perfectness fullness rest harmony the absence of agitation or discord of, dis, of or discord shalom the idea of god's peace in the old testament comes from a root word which means complete full and perfect. We can live in knowing that our reliance is on Jesus who provided all of these things. Advent is this expectant waiting as we look at history. It shows us the Jewish people wanting a king who would bring peace in the middle of their Furious fights with everyone they would meet and for those of us anticipating the second coming of Jesus we wait for a peace when those things that I read earlier the people would not find their satisfaction in a chemical that alters their mindset that we would not have to watch the news and wait to see what various dictators from around the world have decided as to how it and how it's going to affect us. That the peace as we look at what God offers us in Jesus is absolute even though we live in a world that does not seem absolute. Knowing that And Paul says always be pondering these things. When you make decisions, always take your mind to the place where you see that the God that you worship, He really is in the present, in the past, and He's in the future. He's in the promise. He's not missing these things. This affects all of us, where we are, when we are. What verse 9 says, What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things. Oh, what a word from Paul. I don't like that. If I'm being completely honest with you as a church... I don't like the weight that Paul puts on his shoulders because that means if I believe this to be true, it's a weight that I should carry as well as a follower of Jesus. Whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. If you want to know what a person who follows after God looks like in relationship to peace, Paul says, watch me. Who's sending that text message this week? Paul, a Jewish man, is saying about the Messiah that he has come and he has brought peace. that peace embodied? Look at me. I'm not trying to get you to understand. I'm just trying to get you to see this peace so my brother passed away in 2004 and i remember walking through the the days that led up to that we found that he had cancer in in april and i flew home to spend a few some time with him we thought we would lose him then we we didn't god was gracious to us over the summer um i was away uh preaching teaching eating McDonald's and while I was doing those things I can remember begging God all oh, summer God I just need to understand why this is going on and the reason I would beg God of those things my brother didn't live the best life as a matter of fact he was, a drug, he was addicted to chemicals um, really from the time he was 14 he would tell me stories that he would take my mom's medicine and uh, get a high off of that as a literally a child and God I don't understand why you would allow that To happen, and I think that's a fair thing to talk to God about. And here's the thing, folks: we can talk to God about things, and we can be frustrated with the Lord. And here's why: He's big enough to deal with your frustrations. There's a whole book of songs in the middle of the book about David being frustrated with the Lord. I remember, God, just let me understand why this is happening to me and why this is happening, more importantly, to him and why you're putting my poor grandmother through this. Yet again, God, I need to understand this. But it's fair for us to ask that. August, he calls, he's going to pass away. The doctor's told him that that day. God, I don't get it. At the time, I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, which is the north. But I was 12 hours from him and 12 hours from my sweet grandmother who took care of him. The whole time, asking for understanding. That's what I begged for. That December when I finished seminary and had some weird goatee that did not cover the top lip it was a bad time I moved home and I just watched him deteriorate still making really dumb decisions but as his life grew closer and closer to an end we kept having these faith conversations and his belief in the Lord and His struggle with these, all of these things just running together causing nothing but turmoil in my heart. But there came a point when I was in the hospital with him three days from the end that for whatever reason as I talked to God pleaded with God begged God asked God thanked God Rejoiced in the Lord. Opened my Bible. Got mad at God again. Rinse, repeat. That there was a peace that was present that surpassed all of those questions that were still unanswered. Because there was this time for me where I was literally... Asking God and talking to him about these situations this situation over and over a piece that surpasses it outran my understanding. I know looking across this room that there are many of us who are struggling with numerous things, and I want you to know things that you struggle with, more than likely, you're not going to pray enough for those to go away. God doesn't take Paul out of prison cells here. But the more that you know the God of peace who we celebrate at Christmas, who now is not separate from us but is part of us, the more that you talk to him, And beg of him. And spend time with him. The more that his peace will be obvious to you. It doesn't mean the pain will go away. But it helps you to know that there is one who eventually will take all pain away. That's who Jesus is. That's who we find that we celebrate at Advent. So I don't know, again, what you're walking through. As the pastor of this church, one of the pastors, one of the elders here. I do know that we love you. I do know that I meet with a group of men every Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock before I'm a Christian. And we pray over you. We think about what God is doing in your life. We know what you're walking through. And if we don't know, please let us know. Because we care for you. That we have life groups set up that are not... There simply so that we schedule a time of the week for you to be with randos that you don't want to spend any time with. We have these groups present so that you have a community to come around you in the midst of your mess. Because you've all got mess. And if you don't realize you have mess, that's your mess. We make the decisions that we make and we think through the things that we think through and we do the things that we do as a church so that we... Have people around us and people praying for us who believe that God is true and real and that He provides peace even though our lives may not always look like it. If you need me, I'll be in the back corner of the room. That's where I'm typically at on a Sunday morning after worship. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to spend time with you. Grateful for you. And praying that the peace of Jesus will reign and rule in your heart in a way that affects every Crevice of you. Let's bow our heads together. Jesus, you're good to us. And your word, it it rings true. God, over every situation here, pray that we'll dial in every fear. every struggle every stressed out parent give peace. Remind them that peace is there. And God remind us that the peace that you give it outruns our ability to understand what we're in. Again Lord we love these people. I love them and I pray that you will More importantly, let them know that you love them. We ask this in Jesus' name.